Today we have a pretty awesome uh, episode. Um, we interviewed Josh Owens. Uh, Tim, what do we get into? Josh Owens is, I call him the jack of all trades, man. He's got a lot of different backgrounds in education, uh, a lot of different experiences. I know he helped uh, grow Angie's List um, as an Orr Fellow coming out of college. Um, I know he went to London School of Economics. He's got a very diverse background. Um, he heads a company called Supply Kick. He gets into that, um, where their mission is to simplify the world of e-commerce and grow manufacturers' brands to their full potential through through different partnerships, like brands that don't have the best presence online. And he's pretty much a, a marketplace re retailer. And I think his company, they represent over a thousand products, nearly 100 different brands on eBay, Amazon. Amazon especially is the biggest one, but a very cool company that won award recently so they're doing really well they're in a very very high growth stage right now and it was cool to kind of hear him explain that uh, as well as get into his take on education um, and, and the different benefits of it and what you can get from it and the different routes you can take because there's, there's no correct route when it comes to education but he does give his opinion on that and kind of how to maximize that I guess yeah then we get into he talks about effectively scaling a business so uh, probably one of the harder things to do and do it well uh, it seems that so far Supply Kick has been doing uh, a pretty good job at, at scaling uh, properly and effectively. He uh, he also gets into investing in and managing people, which as we kind of talk about quite a bit on this show, uh, how important people are. People are everything. Without them, you can't do anything. Um, and then he dives into accepting the things that you don't know. So yes, you might know a lot, but don't be ignorant to everything that you still have to learn because we're forever learning. Uh, Tim, anything else? I think you covered it. I'm excited for people to hear this one. Here we are talking with Josh Owens. Uh, so yeah, just kind of want to start um, about you, how you started. Uh, I know you've been doing entrepreneur and business for a while. I know you taught. So um, wherever you want to start with that, uh, just kind of yeah. so we can all get a, a feel for what you're doing. Sure, so uh, my background is in tech startups. Um, I went to Wabash College, I'm a central Indiana guy. I'm from Shelbyville, Indiana, so stayed in Indianapolis after uh, graduation. I was part of something called the Orr Fellowship, which uh, okay. effectively just keeps uh, college seniors uh, with high growth entrepreneurial companies in the state of Indiana. So cool. back in 2007, I was placed at Angie's List, uh, which at that time was kind of uh, a relatively local company um, in about 20 cities going national. Okay. And so. I helped with some of the national expansion, a lot of the um, due diligence, investor relations. We did a big uh, debt and equity financing round in 2008, so helped with those type of things. And then a lot on the marketing analytics uh, side. So okay. that was just fun. We were spending a lot of money as a company. I, there was a <laughs> lot to learn, uh, which was a great process. Um, uh, and then after that, uh, went over to another uh, uh, startup here in Indianapolis called One Click Ventures. Uh, they're uh, an e-commerce company in the reading glasses, sunglasses space. Okay. So, uh, uh, help them uh, expand, look at some new niches, uh, and then bring in um, some reading glasses uh, sites that uh, ended up performing really well. Um, and then uh, after that, kind of took a detour, uh, wanted to take a break for grad school. Uh, so went to uh, London for grad school, uh, spent a year in DC, working on the House of Representatives, economic and, and, uh, and healthcare policy, and then um, kind of got pulled back to Indianapolis uh, a little bit sooner than I would have expected. Uh, uh, by Butler, they were looking for someone who could teach econ and stats classes uh, at 8 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> and, uh, um, the one everyone wants. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, and then in particular, that also had some uh, tech startup uh, experience. Um, the Butler uh, direction is a little bit more experiential, and so there's just a lot of demand for uh, that cross-section of business experience, uh, especially in the business school, business experience with that teaching ability. Okay. Um, so for me, that just seemed like a really <coughs> exciting challenge uh, and super interesting. I thought I would learn a lot. At worst case scenario, I was bad at it, and you know, I'd have some connections to the Butler community. Right. Which I, um, <laughs> I had you for stats, and you did an incredible job. Yeah, no, that's nice. It was Good fun. Class. So that's where Tim and I met. Yeah. And. Um, uh, and it was fantastic. I, I mean, really, I, I, uh, that experience was really great. Um, uh, at the same time, uh, I got connected with uh, a buddy of mine who had founded a company called Supply Kick, um, and uh, was looking. He was looking for just some some good uh, uh, kind of consulting advice around inventory management. At that time, the company was a retail arbitrage business, which um, is pretty common on uh, eBay and 
Amazon, uh, effectively, it's, uh, you know, you got a, a business going out of season, or maybe they bought too much product locally, or uh, they're going out of business, and they're trying to liquidate their inventory. Okay. And so you can get that product at 60, 70, maybe 90% off. Mm. Uh, and the higher prevailing price online is, you know, 60, 70, 80% higher. And so you can flip it and make a pretty quick profit. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. You also wind up driving around town all the time, you know, yeah. uh, taking but, bets on products that you don't, you might not know as much on. So that's a huge area of online commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of great things about that, but, but it's a pretty difficult business to scale. You're kind of always chasing the next big thing. Um, and so as we were kind of looking at that opportunity, we knew that we had some expertise uh, on the Amazon side and Amazon has just continued to grow. We knew if we could work directly with some brands and manufacturers with that expertise, we thought we had a pretty good recipe for at least some success. Sure. Um, and that's about kind of what we knew. We didn't realize it was going to become as big as quickly as mm-hmm. it did. Right. And so, um, so yeah, I overlapped with Supply Kick. So that's when I kind of came in, took over Supply Kick, running that, um, and was doing that at the same time that I was teaching at Butler. And so um, it, that was really fun. There was a lot of things that kind of um, it, it really it, it was nice because it was it was fun to be able to uh, take some of the things that we're doing in the business into the classroom it was mm-hmm. nice to just like have uh, a, a classroom space for me to like be able to think out loud about some yeah. of the things we were doing right. in the business so yeah. it actually was uh, was was really symbiotic and like incredibly helpful not um, just straight from a textbook yeah, yeah exactly so hopefully that came through in the classes um, so I think that was different than probably a lot of faculty members mm-hmm. um, uh, and then uh, as I had mentioned supply kick we just kind of hit on a really good opportunity uh, things really started taking off, and then it just became too much to, to do both. Right. Um, and so I kind of was getting pulled too many directions. Um, and so uh, uh, had finished up with Butler, and, and um, now Supply Kick. You know, we're still a small team, but we're uh, at about 36 people. Wow. Um, uh, we've effectively uh, tripled revenue each year the last couple of years. Jeez. Wow. Um, you know, and we're going to have some pretty decent growth this year. So um, all that's been exciting, figuring out a lot about the um, online marketplace uh, space, uh, you know, to tell you the truth, uh, so is everybody else. You know? yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a relatively new space. That's the thing now. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because, you know, one of the things that I think is interesting is it's easy, I think, for like the three of us to think about Amazon, and it's been there for the vast majority of our lives, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, but uh, all things considered, uh, it, it was really only around 2007, 2008, 2009 when people we're really starting to put in their credit card information, uh, loaded in their one, you know, one click buying that kind of okay. stuff. I mean, really, the start to trust the internet. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, you used your own name. Real email address. Actual age. Yeah, that was around the same time that Facebook. You know, I mean, like you were having a lot of that happening at the same time. So mm-hmm. the truth is, you know, while it seems relatively, you know, mundane and normal uh, and kind of uh, old to be shopping online buying everything, having it shipped directly to your door, the truth is it's still at maximum only about 10 years old. Um, and so if you think about that in the retail and how, in the retail, retail space, how much that's been changing the retail space, it's, it's much more similar to about 1965, 1970 in the switch in retail from uh, kind of uh, uh, you know, very city-based to out in the suburbs, big box stores, okay. um, kind of that Walmart, that Target, um, and then also those giant malls, uh, you know, kind of the Sears expansion, Macy's expansion across sure. America. Um, and that went on for 40 years. Um, you know, I mean, still now there's a lot of money to be made there. Now right. they've gone a little too far. But um, if you kind of rewind and look at retail and what's happening right now, I think it's a lot more similar to that. Um, not some, you know, flash in the pan or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've been trying to take that long-term approach at Supply Kick. Think about this as a long-term opportunity. Um, and as such, you know, you make investments for that long term. So, you know, that's a bet. Hopefully we're doing it right. But yeah, I, I right. think, you know, we see the marketplace uh, as a very sustainable, very sustainable, very long term uh, play. And sure. so if we're right, we want to make those right investments. Yeah. yeah. Well, I used to I used to work at Simon. Mm-hmm. And so I got to see retail in the mall side. Yeah. Which is getting super hostile. Yeah, like it's it it's. It's not going away just yet, but it's starting to. Yeah. Like we were getting, we've been dumping malls, you know, yeah. things like that, and it's just, it's super hard. Um, yeah. and, and as I say to everyone, like there's going to be, 
it's not an either or. You know, it's, I feel like if you read the newspaper, right? Now, if you read the IBJ or something like that, there's all these like retail apocalypse sure. know, negative stories. Yeah. And, and there is a lot of negativity. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but like uh, malls aren't going away. Right. People are not going to want to lose physical shopping. Are they going to change from, you know, giant Sears stores? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that's not an experience that people were terribly crazy about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, our restaurants going to thrive uh, in those places. Our smaller stores, uh, there's a whole movement of online stores that started online that now have developed enough that they now need a physical presence. I mean, yeah. so okay. you're also seeing like a lot of reverse like, of the Warby Parkers. Even Amazon has brick and mortar. So like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's not going away. Gotcha. <laughs> right. Um, and then you said you guys, uh, you didn't think it was going to take off as fast as it did. No. So how did that, how did you properly scale? And what was like the hardest part about that? Like it, if it goes that fast and it's like, Oh shit, like this is working now what? Sure. It's you're just never you make the wrong decision uh all the time. <laughs> and you just have to become comfortable with it. Yeah. It's probably right a on. Good <laughs> um you know, scaling a business there's no science to it. Uh there are, you know, better things to do as you're going through it. Uh, but it, it's a lot more of an art. It's a lot. Uh, it is a lot of listening to your customers, a lot of listening to your uh, team members, um, and a lot of uh, just being very diligent uh, and not getting too far ahead of yourself. So a lot of diligence around making sure that you're not hiring people before the, before the need's actually there. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of wraparound services, um, you know, on your team of helping people take those next steps. And so I think that's probably from a team perspective, from an individual kind of uh, team member perspective, you know, it's fascinating because at at a high growth company, effectively you're taking a lot of individuals who might've come in for, to do a myriad of different things or maybe a specific thing, but by definition, you're growing so quickly that you need everyone to take on more and more. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And you've gotta help coach people along the way and get them ready for that. Uh, that might look like project management, that might look like people management. Um, it's uh, for a company like Supply Kick, we uh, were hiring a lot of uh, people right out of college and or fellowship and that kind of thing um, from the networks that we knew. Sure. And uh, you know, so as a result, we had a lot of uh, younger people who uh, were incredibly excited, uh, incredibly skilled, um, you know, but needed help with that next step of, okay, what does it look like to manage some people or take over a team um, or do this thing where no one at the company knows what we're doing. And so right. I have to just figure it out and there's yeah. and there really will not be an answer. We're gonna, it will either work or it won't and we yeah. probably won't know until it either works or it doesn't. Okay. You know, kind of yeah. And being comfortable in that. Yeah. So it, honestly, it was a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I do think that we were lucky. We got a, we got a lot of the sequencing right. We were smart enough around our inventory management um, and getting that locked down first. And so if you think about our business, we work directly with partners. Uh, so if I take a step back, Supply Kick works directly with partner brands and manufacturers across America to sell on the Amazon platform. Okay. And so there's effectively four um, components of that. It's um, kind of the marketing, everything that you see on the uh, Amazon listing page. There's the advertising, demand mm-hmm. generation, mm-hmm. keyword search. Um, and then there's uh, really kind of the customer, um, well, kind of compliance, customer service, um, 24-hour customer service, uh, you know, return mitigation, all that. And then um, kind of finally, uh, keeping your product in stock, logistics, supply chain management. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we were building out all of that at the same time because we had a kind of all-in solution for these brands and manufacturers. We were effectively taking, uh, taking ownership of their inventory, traditional retail relationship, working directly with these brands and manufacturers uh, to sell on the Amazon platform. Not unsimilar to how a brand might work with Target to sell in their stores or okay. how they might work with um, uh, Simon Mall to uh, have locations in different you know spaces. Okay. Um, so that was a big hole in the marketplace and we knew that that was going to be a really great opportunity. Um, in doing so though, you're, you're taking on a lot of risk with those partners with, with that product. And so you have to be incredibly diligent and smart mm-hmm. about how you sell through the product and what that looks like um, when you make mistakes. Uh, that you are able to fix that uh, re- relatively quickly, get out of those partnerships that don't work as well as anticipated, um, and then make sure that you're delivering the right you know, services um, uh, to, to those partners, to those brands, um, that it's things that are value-added and that they need. Um, 
and you kind of have to do all of that simultaneously. But I mean, one big thing you can't mess up is that inventory management. But you know, otherwise you're going to run out of cash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, you got to make sure that you're turning that product really quickly. And that's nothing special. That's retail 101. Yeah. But uh, you know. I, I don't know that it was inter- entirely clear at the very beginning that we were building a retail company. So you yeah, know, I think we were <laughs> learning that really quickly. Yeah. Um, and I, I distinctly remember kind of late 2016, you know, kind of waking up one day and it was still a small team, then maybe 11, 12 people. Um, we were growing rapidly, but we were going down this path towards what we, what I had just described, but we weren't quite there yet. Not all the pieces were locked in and it was, you know, now it's clear looking back, but at the time, I just remember kind of one day sitting there looking at this thing and thinking, we just built a retail company. Like, this is, <laughs> like, this is, we're doing the exact same thing that a Macy's is doing. We're doing the exact same thing that a Target is doing at, a, at an incredibly small, yeah. you know, level. But, um, uh, but we just have the benefit of we built it around a platform that's growing incredibly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and while a lot of people are scared of that inventory, management ownership piece because it is a lot of risk and if you're sitting on inventory that no one wants to buy there's not a lot of things to do with that um you know we had kind of inadvertently figured out a way to turn that product really quickly and work with brands um, that did have specific niche needs um, and were finding a direct consumer you know option uh on amazon that maybe they didn't have before okay so that was um you know i kind of say uh, we were both lucky and smart we were lucky enough to kind of happen into that opportunity and then we were smart enough when we saw it to run after it. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, so uh, yeah, so that was a lot of the scaling process for us. Um, and then, you know, from there, I mean, we're still in this, I mean, you know, the, I don't know, the scaling process is going to take a while. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then it gets into people management and process management and all those type of things. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But that was the real key on the business side. It was like that kind of aha moment. And it's tough when you're, I guess the thing about building a, uh, a startup, a scale up is it's very easy to pivot. And so it's very easy to lose, not necessarily lose focus, but it's very easy to be doing this thing over here. And then you look over to your left and it's like, oh, that's also interesting. Let's try that. And so if you're not careful, you kind of are always, you never commit to something. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we were smart enough to commit pretty early and we were lucky to commit to something that uh, had a lot of legs uh, and had a lot of opportunity. Yeah. That's and awesome. That's yeah. Cause based on everything I've read about your company, everything you've described, like supply kick has, has an excellent business model, like the, the market and the opportunity is there. But I guess the biggest thing for a company is like the people. And yeah. I guess the question I have for you is how do you create a culture at supply kick where people want to come to work every day? And, yeah. and I guess what, what factors do you think need to be present for a company to create a culture like that where people enjoy where they're working? It's a great question. I'll continue to say we're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've done it well so far. Uh-huh. Um, uh, we've, uh, and, I, and I mean that honestly. I think we have done it well so mm-hmm. far. Um, so that's not fa- false modesty there. But, but it is like, you know, I'm constantly looking at things that we're doing thinking um, of how much better it could be yeah. uh, with more time and more, uh-huh. and more intention. And if I wasn't focusing on, you know, this other thing, if, if I had a little bit more time to focus on those pieces. So, um, so I mean, I can go through a few of the things that I think helps build that culture. The first thing is uh, we hired a, a talent culture HR professional uh, very early on. Okay. Um, so that was key. We focused on it. Uh, so even at, uh, I forget exactly the number, but uh, it was before we were hit 15 people, we had someone in place doing that, okay. which is pretty okay. early. A lot of, I, I mean, if you like, uh, I, you know, I was getting a lot of advice that you don't really need that until 40 or 50 people. I just think so much of that. And what was nice is it allowed me to offload the day in, day out talent, culture, Onboarding, yeah. uh, get that packet of stuff ready. Get the get the schedule for someone ready. Get right. the interviews scheduled. Uh-huh. But allowed to get, allowed that off my plate so that I could focus on the bigger picture sure. for how yeah. to use you know that kind of thing. Yeah. So that's why I would encourage uh, companies do it much earlier than okay. than what I've heard. Now maybe that's changed. Maybe people are pushing for it from the start but now. D- but do I, what you're really good at and yeah, exactly. Let, let the rest yeah. go. Um, so so uh, so that's first. Secondarily. You know, I think we put a lot of effort into communication. And mm-hmm. so, 
you know, there's all types of things here around Indianapolis. Scott Dorsey ran um, Exact Target. I mean, it's kind of folklore that he wrote a, a note every week, uh, you know, via email to all of his uh, mm. team members. Uh, um, so I don't know, just about everyone here in Indianapolis does that because, you know, I think everyone wants to emulate him. Right. Yeah, set them yes. They were incredibly yeah. successful. Uh, this works. Uh, yeah, exactly. Very <laughs> smart. Uh, you know, I started doing that early on. So, you know, for over a year, I've been doing that. It, it is It is interesting how... Uh, it helps in two ways. One, it helps um, as we're bringing on a lot of new people. It helps set the tone very quickly okay. because uh, increasingly uh, new team members are not getting as much time with me. And so if I have some vision or some thought or some expectation of how we communicate in meetings or how we uh, think about this problem or what we prioritize, uh, the, just the truth is they're not getting it from me very much anymore. Gotcha. Um, and so it's a, just a good way for me yeah. each week to kind of kind – of, um, set the stage and set a tone. Um, yeah. So I really use it to focus on that. I, I'm not quite sure. I, I've ne never actually seen one of uh, Scott Dorsey's uh, messages, so that's probably good. Someday it would be yeah. interesting yeah. to see it. But You can make um, it your own unique Yeah, exactly. Thing. So yeah. I, knew the, I knew the concept, and then I used it mostly right. for tone is what good. I used it. Better than the once a month automated from the yeah. CEO and, you know, exactly. the receptionist yeah. signed it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. yeah. So, um, you know, and I think that authenticity does matter. You can't lose that in a company. So I, all the other pieces, you know, kind of step three for us is all around that authenticity piece. So um, I kind of alluded to it before, but it's really uh, uh, spending a lot of time on people development mm -hmm. and being just super honest about, hey, what is it that you want to achieve? Uh, okay, uh, let's think about the path towards that. I, yeah. I, I can't commit that we're going to be able to get you there. I can't commit that it's going to happen tomorrow. Right. Uh, sometimes it is. You tell me something that you need, and it's like, yep, yeah, great. I was talking about that this morning. You're now in charge of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so right in the fire. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's like scared some people sometimes where they were just talking out loud, and um, and it was a need, and we needed them to do it. And I, in the back of my head, I already knew that they could. Gotcha. Um, so it's been a lot of uh, kind of investing in our team members. We have a, a $1,500 a year training stipend, um, so they can use it for anything, whether that's conference, uh, okay. take some classes, you know, anything like that. That's so awesome. That's a nice benefit. We have a $600 tech stipend a year for everyone, so oh, that's they can cool. invest in things that are helpful. So, you know, I mean, you bank that for three years, so a lot of people would just use that to kind of help offset a new computer. Um, sure. Maybe it's, hey, I've, been, I've got a computer. It works really well. I've been wanting to get a an iPad Pro or something, use it for that. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's been, I think, a nice perk and it allows people, you know, generally it also allows people to think about what what else are you interested in? Mm -hmm. um, and I guess the big piece that we just talk about at Supply Kick that I talk about all the time is, you know, one of the great things why I have spent all of my time in growth companies, you know, in startups and growth companies is you're constantly changing. Um, sure, you don't have the resources of a Lily or a Simon or, you know, I don't know, right. fill in the blank. Yeah. Um, but what you give up with that, uh, you get with a ton of autonomy, um, a lot of opportunity to figure out what you like and what you don't like. Um, and truthfully, a, a huge number of opportunities to do things that you never would have thought of. It just never would have occurred to you that you could uh, run this piece of marketing. Um, you know, and it turns out as a company, I can tell you, it didn't occur to us that we would ever need that as well, you know? Right. Uh -huh. um, and so we just really encourage everyone to think really big about what they want to do, where they want to go. Um, and, you know, if that ends up taking them away from Supply Kick, uh, then I hope that this was a fantastic pit stop, uh, you know, kind of along the road of their development. Um, yeah. But I think we're growing fast enough that, uh, you know, those opportunities will be present uh, at our company. And so if we keep, uh, you know, I think having a culture that uh, focuses on that and supports that, then, uh, you know, it does create that space, Tim, like you said, of, of like, yeah, I'm excited to come to work or mm -hmm. at least uh, I enjoy work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I enjoy being there. Yeah. It's not something that is, you know, a detriment that by no means are we perfect. By no means is it, you know, some like Cinderella story or something like that. Like uh, it's work. You know, we do things mm -hmm. that are not fun every mm -hmm. day. Yeah. Uh, we deal with issues with partners or with products that go horribly awry. Uh, Amazon changes things daily, which is why we're in business, um, <laughs> you know, but that is frustrating. And yeah. so, um, you know, we're just very cognizant of like, we're not going to get rid of, it's not going to be perfect, um, but it can be a really great experience. And I think my general feeling, and this kind of goes back to my teaching, you know, days at, at Butler, my general feeling is if you're learning, you're being fulfilled in a specific way. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you know, one of the things, if I look back on maybe where 
some of the businesses, and I can't speak directly to this, but my feeling is from what I have read, from the tone that I get from uh, you know, my parents' generation and that kind of thing, it feels like a lot of businesses stepped away from that learning development, investing in you as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand why businesses would do that, but I just think that's a huge chunk of what you do day in, day out. And so if you don't feel like you're learning and growing and developing, and it doesn't have to be leaps and bounds, but at mm-hmm. least some, um, yeah, you're probably not going to be terribly excited about work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. You know, yeah. that's one of the things that inspires me at, at running Supply Kick. Uh, it's, there's a lot of things about Supply Kick that I like, but probably the most interesting thing to me, the thing that gets me excited is like, I'm interested in figuring out this puzzle each yeah. day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I probably at some point when that puzzle starts to, when I fill in most of the pieces, at least from my perspective, you know, that'll become a little less interesting. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's just a healthy place and a healthy way to think about your career. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's, like the Lily and Simon, whoever, like the resources are nice, but one thing nice about having a smaller operation is they get, people get to see the growing pains of For sure. a small business. Like Lily didn't just come out the womb and it was a big yeah. Lily, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know? So like it had to start somewhere. Yeah, it's like what, mm-hmm. hundred and some years old. Yeah, right. So <laughs> it, and Can't it's like that. people think, oh, the, the glitz and glam of small business ownership. And it's just like, it's not all that. Like you see yeah, a lot of the trench that. work and the, the, the late nights and the frustration. It's like, yeah. well, then it's you get that little, anxiety. yeah, a little <laughs> bit of a light. Then it's like, okay, it's, it's worth it that much. Let's get that another little. Yeah. So I think that's the cool part of like not being in the big, the yeah. big corporate or big company scene. It's just like, you don't see yeah. the, the pain that it took to get to that point. Yeah. Now it's just like your number at that point. Yeah. When I was teaching, I mean, this is something that I talked about a lot in my classes of you know, you have to kind of know what you're interested in. And I feel like I prefer smaller growing companies, mm-hmm. um, but that's not a right or wrong answer. It's just a thing. You have to figure out what you prefer. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you prefer uh, more resources and a very stable ladder of what it looks like next, um, that's great. And that's what larger companies mm-hmm. do provide, generally speaking. Now, you need to make sure it's a good culture fit and all those things, right. you know, for you. But um, yeah, I think that there's some really great opportunities in any number of different organizational structures. I just think the thing that the bias that I've uh, probably always pushed on students, honestly, I don't I don't know that I meant to it as much as I probably did. But to what you were saying, one of the great things about a growing startup um, or even even just a growth phase company, you know, it might be 400, 500 people is you're constantly getting thrown new things. And if you're early in your career, I don't know what more you could want. Like that's what you should want. Mm-hmm. Just get a lot of, be in a place where you're gonna have a lot of things thrown at you. Um, and if you trust yourself, if you're smart enough and you're dedicated enough and you're willing to do the hard work mm-hmm. and you're willing to fail and make mistakes and you're in a place where that's okay right. and you can grow from it, um, like you're gonna come out the other end so much more developed than the alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I just always think biasing towards that growth stage is such a smart place to um uh, to focus your efforts yeah. especially early on yeah and that's that's an important thing to know like for people our age like coming out of college is not everyone's going to know exactly where they want to go and what they want to do yeah. but if they can find like a company or an opportunity that does what you just described like give them an opportunity where they can grow their competencies every day and yeah. learn something and go after something that's going to challenge them. Yeah. Like that's, that's the, that's a place to really start when looking and yeah. that's an important thing for employees. I so. completely agree. And it's the like, and, and then I guess the caveat to that, that I always say is like, I don't know for the first 10 years of your life or turn first 10 years of your career, it's pretty difficult to mess it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can like, you can <laughs> like hit a lottery ticket and it can take off. Mm-hmm. Sure. But mostly uh, so long as you're learning along the way, it is pretty difficult to mess it up. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, particularly right out of school and in that first two years out of school, it's really easy to get locked in and start looking at everyone's career path as linear. And it's like, none of them are linear. (laughs) I mean, very few of them are, and those are not terribly exciting and good for them if that's what they had. But like, you know, the truth is, uh, you know, you can jump around, you can make a mistake, Mm -hmm. you can start something and stop it. And, and, it, it does not matter so right. long as you're learning along the way all of that's beneficial mm-hmm. yeah um i was kind of curious going back to when you were teaching yep. um 
and we've talked about it on prior shows. Like, I feel like college is getting a lot of hate, yeah. you know, from a lot of influencers and serial entrepreneurs. Like, yeah. you know, unless you need like, to- Don't go to college. Yeah, unless you're gonna be a lawyer or a doctor, like don't go to school. Like, yeah. and we think there's a lot of good intangibles from college too, yeah. like aside from learning, but someone who's been through college, taught it, and now you're running a small business, what's kind of your, your take on that? Yeah. As far as, I don't know, people like, oh, I paid this much for my degree and now I get paid this much. Like, yeah. Uh, what I get paid is not what I paid for. So yeah. I don't know, just- I probably fall in the middle okay. of the spectrum. Um, so at, so I'll probably give a couple answers to this. At Supply Kick, we, uh, about a year, um, all the timelines are running together right now, but it was probably a year ago, um, maybe a year and a half ago, uh, we got rid of any educational requirements for any position. Okay. Um, my general feeling is uh, a traditional four-year undergraduate degree is a great way, for, especially for our entry-level positions, to uh, show uh, that you meet the qualifications. Uh, right. But I want you to tell me how that experience helps you meet those qualifications. Um, mm -hmm. And if it's not that, and it's the internships, and it's not actually the school, then great. Um, and if it's you didn't go to school uh, and you didn't have those internships, you uh, were working right out of high school and. Um, you know, you had a set of experiences there that make you qualified for what we're looking for, then great. Um, we're interested in that too. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's easy. It's a kind of pigeonhole. And this kind of goes into conversations about diversity in the workplace and all types of things. But it's very easy um, when you're putting that educational requirement because of um, a number of things that are going on in that higher education space. Um, it's very easy to pigeonhole yourself and, and take the uh, potential teamwork or potential um, kind of team that you could have from a pretty wide pool down to a very narrow pool. Mm. Um, and so that's just something we want to avoid. Uh, you know, we're testing it out. I think it's worked very well. Um, you know, we've hired people with um, a, a myriad of educational backgrounds, uh, including uh, next to no educational backgrounds. And, uh, and those have all been fantastic team members. Um, and, you know, I'm happy to say uh, everyone has kind of also uh, stepped up and taken new kind of roles and new um, responsibilities along the way. So, you know, so that's probably the first thing I would say about it from a company perspective, you know, secondarily. So, so I'm not only have I taught at, um, uh, at, at Butler, uh, but I, I, I'm also the chair of the state charter school board, um, which is uh, effectively the K through 12 authorizing okay. um, body for the state of Indiana for, um, for charter schools. Oh, wow. So mayor's office in Indianapolis can authorize schools like Ball State, some universities can do it, but the, but the state level one is, is the um, I, ICSB and that's gotcha. what I choose. Gotcha. Um, so we see education through, I guess, a number of different lenses right, yeah. um, from the employer side, um, from the collegiate, you know, four year traditional kind of school side mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, from the K through 12 um, side as well. And I've been involved you know, from a volunteer perspective and, and IPS, you know, locally as well. Um, you know, I think <clears throat> college is, uh, I would say that the smartest thing to do is to definitely know what you want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And I see too many students, particularly when I was at Butler, I saw too many students at school with no clear understanding of why they were there. Um, Guilty as charged. And, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying it like you need to know what you want to do with the mm -hmm. rest of your life. I, sure. By no means am I advocating that. But you should at least know what this college experience you want to get out of it, whether it's personal development or I am interested in finance, so I'm going to uh, be a finance major and go work you know, at a bank. Or mm -hmm. Maybe it's something incredibly specific. Maybe it's you know, I get anxiety around people and I want to be in a situation where I'm around people a lot and I want to work on that because that's a personal development thing. And I know mm -hmm. in my life, I just need to be better at that. I'm, it's never going to go away, but I need to be better at that. Yeah. Um, maybe it's public speaking. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but it could be small. Um, but uh, maybe it's, I'm bad at relationships. And I need to like meet a lot of people and have a relationship, yeah. you know, like, but there's got to be something that you're trying to get out of the experience. And it doesn't have to be the same thing for all two or four years, but it's got to be something, and and I think I I've, I generally see too many students who are just kind of sleepwalking through the experience, picking mm -hmm. up things very passively. Um, and 
I don't know, Tim might remember this. One of the things that I would say in my classes, though, just as a, as a hey, big red flag, something that everyone should know is uh, at the end of this collegiate experience, you're going to walk out and you're going to walk into a world in which people are going to stop telling you if you did it right or wrong. It's not going to happen anymore. And, and they're <laughs> so also probably think about. Yeah, and they're also probably going to not know uh, exactly what you're working on all the time. And, they're, and they will definitely not have the time to give you feedback uh, yeah. every week or right. every two weeks mm-hmm. or every month on how you're doing. Um, it just, it stops. And so I think one of the things that school is particularly kind of the traditional four-year undergraduate experience is bad at right now is getting students ready for a world that is not at all like what that experience is. Yeah. Um, so that's not to say that you blow it up and completely you know, reorganize right, it. Right. Um, I think that there's a lot of benefits that you get out of a four-year college education. Um, I don't think that we make it accessible enough to students who have had a diversity of backgrounds, experiences, um, and maybe um, impediments to traditional understanding of learning um, mm-hmm. from the past. So I think we should be a lot more open to how we think about that, and we should open up those those doors a little bit wider um, across all institutions, whether that's community college, whether that's four-year you know, college education, whether that's something in the middle. Um, just as I've kind of talked about with Supply Kick, being a little bit smarter about, hey, we're going to open that door a little bit wider. Um, in reality, do we get mostly college grads who are applying for our positions? Uh, yes. Um, do we get uh, more than we would otherwise of people who are not what you would expect? Yes. And those are oftentimes, no joke, those are oftentimes the most interesting applications. Um, okay. Because they, by definition, um, at, they've either overcome something or they've had some incredibly weird, diverse, odd, and I mean weird like in non-traditional right. background of things that they've chosen to do, go live in Africa for three years. I don't know, some, you know, that it's just like, I wanna know more about that. That's mm-hmm. like a really interesting person. Um, yeah. And what I'm really looking for is really interesting, malleable people who right. can kind of grow as we grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, this is kind of biased from my position mm-hmm. and um, uh, kind of a little scattered both between college and, and kind of the work experience. But, you know, I think that's a space where the traditional four-year school is kind of underserving students. Um, and then that's also a space where I think students are underserving themselves, not coming in as prepared with what they want to get out of that. Um, mm-hmm. I guess my last point would be, I guess on the cost side, I think it's insanely too expensive. I, I mean, I said this in all of our classes at Butler. I was trying to help students think very critically about what they're paying. Um, mostly like, hey, you're sitting in this class right now. Um, either you or your parents or someone is paying a lot for this. Right. Like, you should you should have, you as a consumer should have some expectation of what you want out of it. You need mm-hmm. to put more, not you need, I mean, yes, you need to put more effort into it, student, but also like you need to be demanding more of your institution. Um, you need to make sure you're getting that value out of it. Um, and if you don't, that's your fault. You know, kind of, yeah. gotcha. um, you've let the school do that. Yeah, so that's right. your fault. Um, so I think schools could, help students um, in that way a little bit more I, I generally think um, the paths through the traditional four-year education uh, are incredibly too um, specific uh, okay. some of this goes to uh, uh, accreditation and those type of things so it's not like uh, a school can just overnight switch it and change but I think that these schools should be pushing a lot more um, I don't think that it should take four years to get through um, college, I think that we should be pushing most students for three years. Okay. Um, I think you get all of the societal norms, all of the, you know, experience out of it. Um, I think we could save, you know, probably a year of opportunity cost and yeah. money um, yeah. and uh, living on campus without making <laughs> any money. Right. Yeah. I think that there's some smart ways that we can basically edit that four-year college ex- experience to a more thoughtful, focused still getting all the things out of it that are fun and meeting new people and all yeah, of that stuff, right. which is valuable. Yeah. Um, I just don't know that it's, you know, worth $30,000 a year. Yeah. Because yeah. you do see a lot of people like graduating early or yeah. being able to do it in a time less than that. Yeah. And, and I'll say to, to its credit, Butler made that easier than mm-hmm. other schools that I've seen for sure. Yeah. Um, so I, to its credit, but I think it's something that should just be, and again, a lot of times this just comes back to communication. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily... Uh, uh, it's not necessarily Butler as a university saying, you know what, we're going to now have uh, everyone graduates in three years. It's more, 
uh, let's make sure that it's very clear to all participants this is a viable, smart, if you want to do this path, that path exists. Got it. If you don't want to do that path, here's the other path that exists. Um, I don't know. I think generally schools should be coming up with multiple paths, um, entry levels on and off. And that just kind of goes to my last point, which is we're in a world right now that things are changing incredibly quickly. I think that's always been true, but it's just the pace is continuing to get faster and faster. Um, I'm not terribly unique. I've had you know, four traditional jobs, um, five, no, five traditional jobs in 10 years. Um, some of them overlapped, you know, I mean, I've worked multiple things at the mm -hmm. same time. Um, uh, I, I don't know, I think you've got, you've got to continue to learn. And I, I think that most of these schools would be much better served going after that lifelong mm -hmm. learning piece. Um, not just in that right after K through 12 education, but um, you know, I've got people right now at Butler, or I'm sorry, at Supply Kick that I could send to um, you know, uh, if it was flexible enough, I'd love for them to go to a three-day class on um, accounting primer. Yeah. Just now that they're in it and they know that, oh, now I see how this could be used, do they need to be accountants? No. Um, uh, would it be helpful if they had a little bit more structured thinking around, uh, you know, debits and credits and cash flow and that kind of thing? Yes. Yeah. Um, do I need them to be experts? No. You right. Know? Uh, would I be willing to pay 800 bucks for them to go have that experience for three or four days? Yeah, probably. Yeah. You know, understand it, apply it. And yeah, then exactly. And my general feeling is, um, there's a lot of businesses, particularly in the growth phase that are hungry for that type of, mm -hmm. um, service from, uh, either the K through 12 or the collegiate space. Um, yeah. There's a lot of services. There's a lot of products that they could be serving up. Um, that would be interesting to both the business community and I think team members within those business communities. Okay. Yeah, no, that's interesting that you say that because there's a lot like that micro example in terms of accounting, yeah. like every company's like accounting system is different. Yes. And I feel like it's one of yeah, those things where the type of account, like you need to maximize your learning in terms of that to where you can apply in a specific situation. Yeah. Cause I think it's important to go see how you're going to use it in the real world yeah. and then go back and learn what you need to learn in a structured environment to every, apply it there. Every yeah. company's everything is different. I mean, yeah. every company's use of Salesforce is slightly different. Mm -hmm. Every company's use, I mean, it, everything is slightly different. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a, a lot of different ways in which on kind of hard skills that that can be out there being, uh, not taught being accessible. I just need a brush up. Uh, there's entire, there's a lot of things that I did uh, eight years ago at Angie's List um, mm -hmm. that are now interesting to me again at Supply Kick. Um, I only vaguely remember what I was doing. Okay. You know, yeah. like there's things where it would be interesting for me to brush up every once in a while. I don't have a ton of time for it. We're hiring people to do a lot of that yeah. stuff. But you know, I mean, it, it's not just entry level to a new job or something like that. I think it's also executive. You know, mm -hmm. there's hard skills space there, and then there's a ton of soft skill space. Um, things around what we were talking about a little bit earlier: leadership development, understanding what it looks like to to truly manage people. I mean, that's not a thing that really is taught. I, I'll say it differently: until you've been in a work environment, it's pretty difficult to conceptualize how to manage people. Mm -hmm. So then once you're there and you've had an experience of someone managing you or you managing someone either in a good way or a bad way, then uh, like that would be a great time to be able to have a good, you know, four to five day class, um, kind of a, a respite on, okay, let's take a look at how do we think about managing people? What yeah. what is it, what does communication look like? Yeah. Um, uh, how do my facial, you know, uh, impressions and my body uh, language and my tone how do those impact what that looks like? Mm -hmm. right. um, you know, it's not often uh, big things that go wrong. It's often a lot of little things that kind of stack up and go yeah. wrong. So those are just specific examples of things that I think could be incredibly valuable. Um, and I think that there's a lot of schools looking at that. There's definitely a lot of startups doing that, uh, you know, Udacity, um, you know, uh, companies like that. But I just think it's a huge opportunity still locally. At the end of the day, Supply Kick is... is based here in Indianapolis. Uh, um, uh, all of our team members uh, live here <laughs> in Indianapolis. Uh, they, you know, like this is a place where uh, those services are, are in demand. And so it would be nice if we had some more opportunities for those things. So, yeah. you know, I think that those are opportunities for universities, for schools. I think that those are ways in which individuals should also think about mm -hmm. how do I 
how do I maximize this university experience? How do I maximize this school, you know, experience? Yeah. Tim, I know you got uh, something. Oh, I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to cut us off. The, I don't know what your timeline is, but he, Tim has something. Perfect. I've got about uh, uh, 10 more minutes. Okay. Because uh, I would love to go 10 more minutes. Cool. If 10 you minutes don't mind, good. just yeah. you and I, I, can, I can keep going. You can, can go, go 10, 10 minutes? Yeah, All 10 right. Minutes good. Um, back to the managing people, because we talk about people all the time. Because yep. without people, you don't have anything yep. in the world. Yep. Um, and we talk about how to win friends, influence people. And with my old job, it was it was poor management. And that was one of the reasons like I left. Yep. It was people in charge of people that shouldn't be. Yep. And um, so I guess as you, as you grow, how do you, and it's, it's hard to make sure you get the quote unquote right people to yep. manage. How do you make sure that that kind of thing doesn't happen to where someone's like, oh, I hate coming to supply cake every day yeah. now. And now I need something else because this is wrong. Yeah. Uh, so and the there may not be a clear path to that, but I didn't know. Yeah. It, well, I think the first thing is like, you're never going to get it perfect. You know, you're never going to get right. it completely right. Um, and sometimes it, one of the biggest things is often it helps for people to just know that they've got a place where they can, if the communication is at a level in which um, as a team member, you can uh, talk about those frustrations and maybe they don't get fixed immediately, mm. but there's an open space where you don't feel like that's a negative on you, um, then that almost always alone helps a situation um, because then you're getting feedback on, okay, um, maybe this manager needs to uh, improve that tone a little bit more. In the mornings, they can't have those meetings. Right. Or, um, or oftentimes what it is is just generally around people needing to be heard, um, that their ideas are there, um, not necessarily that their ideas are being used, but that uh, they're part of that conversation, that they're not just being given stuff, micromanaged, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, I think at Supply Kick, at least, how we think about it is we try to be very upfront about uh, kind of what those lines of communication, those lines of management are. Um, we try to remind everyone it's not going to be perfect. Uh, you know, the people who are managing others are people as well and they've got their own things going on mm -hmm. in their lives as well which may or may not be going well you know at that particular right. moment in time um, but also that the expectation at uh, you know at supply kick at work and anything around that is um, generally we're lucky we're, we're like we're doing well uh, it's not a fire drill you know yeah. most things are going well and we're and while we want to be able to fix those things that aren't let's not lose sight of you know, the 85, 90% uh, of things that are growing, doing well, that sure. everyone's doing successfully and we're seeing the results mm -hmm. from that as well. So I think sometimes it's one of the things I've just noticed is it's easy to uh, close your blinders in on only the negatives. Mm -hmm. I think that's just human nature. Right. Um, and forget that, oh yeah, but let me take a step back and see where I am relative to a year ago. I've had a lot of personal growth. Okay. Uh, particularly that in makes a growth, sense. Yeah, particularly in a growth company because it's easy to start looking around and see all these other people who are getting opportunities or things that maybe you didn't even know that you were actually interested in. Sure. Um, and now all of a sudden you are kind of interested and you see that, you get that impression that it's passing you by when in reality, um, you know, I'm looking at you as an individual saying, hey, we've actually asked you to step up and do X, Y, and Z. Like we've given you a ton of new responsibility um, and that's all at the end of the day, what I try to re remind people is I don't, if we're asking you to do more, uh, I don't know, don't like, <laughs> like, uh, take that for what it, what it is. I would not be asking you to do more if I didn't think you could do right. it. Right. Yeah. So the trust so, thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So trust yeah. in that just, and you're moment. doing good, yeah, good work. Exactly. Like, <laughs> right. um, now I, I do think that you can, you can push people too far sometimes. And I think that's very easy in a growth company. Um, and so that's something that I've been exploring, trying to understand a little bit better. Um, because sometimes I think you do kind of have to reset expectations. Or sometimes you, you know, you take a chance, uh, you push someone into this uh, role, and it's, uh, it turns out it's not exactly the right role for them. Again, I'll kind of go back to one of the nice things about a growth company is you typically have a lot of other things opening up that if that's not the right position for them, it's trying to help them get into the right position. Okay. Right? So, um, so there's kind of avenues, there's easier avenues mm -hmm. to fix that in a growth company than there is otherwise. Got it. Um, but you know, one of the other things that we just ask our, our team, team members 
is to be incredibly thoughtful about what it is that they want to achieve and talk about it. Talk about it with their manager. Talk about it with me. Um, talk about it with uh, you know uh, their significant other. Talk about it with their friends. Uh, just because you're talking about it doesn't mean that it has to happen and you mm. can change your mind. Uh, I always joke at Supply Kick, uh, I'm happy to make a decision today and I reserve the right to change that decision tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> like, Disclaimer. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, it's just like, yeah. And, I, and I totally mean that. It's just That's like, awesome. I am making every decision with the best piece of information that I have today. Mm -hmm. And I just know tomorrow I'm going to learn something new. Yeah. And great. At, mostly if we're making right decisions, nothing's going to change all that much. But every once in a while, you know, I, I kind of set a tone of this direction and it's like, it's almost like the world changes overnight. And I'm like, okay, we're not doing that anymore. We yeah. got to focus over here. And uh, we don't do that too much, but uh, we just try to be very honest about that. And I think, um, you know, I, I do think that tone is 90, 95% of it. Okay. You know? um, and, and that it matters. And how, what you're projecting as the tone, uh, what you're focused on uh, is a big piece of it. Um, and then, if you're getting that right, while there are things that come up for people that maybe they need more help understanding how to manage people, um, great. Uh, you know, that's one of those things where I look at it and I don't say like, oh, I can't believe you can't manage people. I look at it and like, uh, yeah, you're uh, 25. Uh, this is your only job that you've had out of college. Uh, you haven't had to manage people in the past. Uh, now you're managing people. Yeah. Of course, you're probably, <laughs> like, you should not be great at it. Yeah. Um, That's how uh, you learn. Right, yeah. exactly. So Learn just, by failing. Yeah, yeah, also be comfortable in that fact. Uh, both the people that you're managing understand that and mm. you um, understand that. That often helps. But then also at the same time, know that as you take on that more responsibility, uh, the account there's more accountability that comes with it. Um, and oftentimes that's the piece that people, I think get, um, that's the piece that, that they often don't think of. Um, and that I really try to push people. If, if people are, if I have team members who are telling me, I'm really interested in taking this next step, this uh, maybe we have a new director position opening up or something like that. Um, I'll almost always listen and think about it because uh, I'm going to defer to the team members that we have, uh, mm -hmm. you know, there. Um, but I'm also often, you know, pushing them to think very critically is, are you sure that's something that really is interesting to you? Because that's also going to mean managing these people. That's going to mean not doing this thing that you've told me that you really enjoy and that you're great at. Um, you're going to only do that 20% of the time now. Yeah. Uh, will that still be fulfilling to you? Um, are you interested in managing people? Is that what your career goal is? Um, if it's not, uh, then maybe you don't need to take that step right now. Um, you know, so it kind of goes back to what we were talking about on the education side. Like yeah. At least having some idea of what you're trying to mm -hmm. accomplish. And I just push people on that because one of the things I say at Supply Kick, um, and again, I'll say this is Supply Kick. This is not every company, but I, I generally have a strong feeling that uh, there are two types of leaders. Uh, you can, uh, and most people only think of the first type, which is a, a person who manages other people which is great and that is a specific skill set and it is hard uh, because it, it is thankless. Most of the time people are not having, you know, like yeah. you're fixing issues and you're fixing people issues, which means you have to listen all the time and you have to act and you have to mostly act when there's conflicting pieces of information. Um, so that's hard and you got to know that you want to do that and be good at that. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, kind of, you know, you were indicating there's people who get put in that position who mm -hmm. aren't really I think ready for that, but also maybe aren't interested in doing that. Right. So you need people who are ready and interested okay. or interested True. and can be coached up to it. Okay. Um, but then secondarily, uh, there are process leaders. Um, and at supply kick in particular, uh, I don't, the, you don't have to manage people to be a leader <laughs> at our company. Um, uh, it is as valuable to me to manage our inventory process expertly. That is incredibly valuable. And if you do it really well, probably doesn't require much of a team at all. <laughs> you know, okay. it's going to be yeah. a very small <laughs> gotcha. team. Um, so I don't want people to get, sometimes you get team members, I think as a company leader, if you're not smart about projecting, talking about that openly, uh, it's amazing what people will start to think in their head. And one of the things that people start to think is, oh, uh, if I'm not managing a lot of people, I'm not a leader. Uh, and 
that might be true at other companies, but at Supply Kick, that's not true. And so something I have to constantly say, because people will default to that, because everywhere, because a lot of other places, yeah. that's what it is. I have to constantly say, that is not the only way to be a leader here. That's awesome. So please find the way that is most comfortable for you. I don't, if you don't want to manage people, please don't do it because you think I want you to. Mm-hmm. I don't. People doing it right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, no, that, that's a good, that's a good way to run it. And jeez. So, but I it takes a lot life. of effort. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I, I will say that's, and all of that is to say that's like the theory. That's the ideal case. We don't, mm-hmm. I don't get it right all the time. Right. I make mistakes yeah. of who mm-hmm. should be leaders. Um, and I don't know, and so, but, but I think one of the things that I also do is, is we default, I, I don't know, I, I have this kind of weird theory on hiring. It's kind of like, um, so like in the NFL draft, in the NBA draft, right? It's like, um, it's effectively a crapshoot. It's like 50-50 if um, uh, uh, higher drafted players or lower drafted players uh, perform better than someone else, right? right. It's, okay. it's kind of like, yeah. it's pretty difficult to, to draft well is, yeah. the, is the general theory. Yeah, and so yeah. it's kind of like, no. so then take what you need um, kind of thing is like, is the general theory. Um, don't go for the superstar because they, they might not end up being a superstar. Right. Um, I kind of generally have the same theory about everyone which is like, I, I think there are clearly people who are ready for roles and not, but I'm, and this is probably the education side of me, I generally think just about anyone can do just about anything they want if they focus on it. So mm-hmm. like, so, so I, we end up mostly hiring um, for values fit. Do they match up with our values? Um, does it, do they seem interested in what we're doing? Do I think, could I see them growing here? Mm-hmm. Um, if it checks all of those boxes, I'm not really looking for the perfect person. And so oftentimes, um, once we find that person, we'll kind of end the search. I, I'm not, okay. you know, we're not going out there like, uh, okay, we're gonna have 10 interviews and then five interviews and we're gonna take the best of yeah. that. You know, it's kind of gotcha. like, we're, we're rolling these until we find the person that fits. The and fit, yeah. I'm not looking for the perfect person. Um, in nearly any role. And so I kind of take that for everything. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. looking for the perfect person in a management role. I'm not looking for the perfect, because I generally think, uh, however it is that you end up there, uh, you can become that mm-hmm. if we're both aligned on what you're trying to achieve and you want to do that. And yeah. so I try to spend a lot of time on, uh, is that something that you want to do? And are we aligned on the goals? And if we can do that, I kind of default oddly to like, I think anyone can do it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm gonna default to giving them the, give them the shot. Yeah. Let's awesome. see if we can do it. That's an awesome way to and do it. And I'm pretty it. sure the results speak for themselves with your company yeah. too. You guys, well, you, you guys so far so good. Yeah. So it's not it's not broke. So yeah, we'll talk yeah. another year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, triple again, and then we'll talk again. Um, yeah. And I I want to be respectful of your time, but yeah. I did have uh, one more. Sure. Like whether it's, you know, a, a time before business or personal emotional. What if you could give like younger Josh Owens, uh, just one snippet of advice that now you're like, I wish I had or knew that then, or I wish someone would have just told me this. Um, mm. Was there a point in time when you're like, man, that that would have been crucial for me to know, or if someone just gave me that push here. Yeah, um, I mean, pro- yeah, it's an endless list of things. Right, right, <laughs> I would, I, I, if I, one sticks out to you. Tell young Josh. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, career focused, I would probably say take more chances. Okay. I I mean, if I look back and it's probably odd because I say that and a lot of people look, a lot of people look at my background and they say, wow, you like, you took some wild chances. Like you just jumped and moved to to London. You jumped from a startup that was doing well to another startup that was unproven. You, Mm. uh, you know, jumped into working in uh, politics and then you like jumped into working in uh, teaching and like, yeah. then you just, like jumped into another startup. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people, when I say that, they look at that and they say, oh, you've done that. But I, like, I look back at it and think of all the other things that came up that I was some form of too scared to pull the trigger on okay. and invest in myself and do. And um, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm incredibly satisfied with how things have turned out. So it's not like right, I look back right. and I'm like, oh, I can't believe that I did right. these things. But I do wish I just would have known, don't get so concerned about it. It's it's all gonna go down the right path if you stay focused on the right things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so there's a lot of avenues to the to the end goal. Um, oh, that's and gold. So take those. Jesus. Yeah, and so just take those. And so, I, you know, I just wish I would have had less 
you know, personal anxiety in those first three, four or five years after school. I, I think I was so concerned about what that next step looks like and making the right one. And it's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I don't know. You can screw it up so many yeah. times. Yeah. There's um, no right path. And you don't, and you're yeah. just, and I mean this so, um, I don't mean this in a bad way whatsoever. You just, the, the tonnage of what you don't know is so staggering. You know, it's just like, you can't, it's almost impossible to make a bad decision. Yeah. You know, cause you're just, you're still as a person formulating who you are and what you want to do. Right. So, um, you know, don't get locked in on that stuff okay. and just know that uh, you're going to learn, you're going to have some awesome experiences um, and, and you're going to have some really crappy experiences yeah. and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. You learn from yeah. all that too. So. Yeah. yeah I just awesome. wish I would have taken more chances. Cool. That's awesome. Well, that's all. I don't know if you have anything else. No, Tim. I think that's um, a perfect one. To end on. Awesome. That's good. Well, cool. Thank you again so much. Yeah. Uh, this was awesome. Hopefully we can do it again. Have a little more time and because there's some yeah. other things I'd, we I want to hear about well, london I hear, about you know um, no, i appreciate it but, yeah it was a lot of fun yeah this is awesome thank you so much uh thank you to the listeners um and until next time uh have a good weekend